You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, world. Is this on? Oh, world's listening? The whole Crap. world, Sid Talk. <laughs> All of the world. Are you sure that was just 20 seconds of silence? That's a long time. Are you just using that as an excuse for me to stop talking? I was and then you say s- it's 20 seconds, but uh, it's like 10 minutes. I was actually going <laughs> to sneeze during the 20 seconds of silence. I was really holding it back. <laughs> well, you can't sneeze now. You might as well have just done it. <laughs> I just sucked it back in my head. This is so, not the topic of conversation. All right. So what is... <laughs> Before the after the show discussion was this, a little bit of this and that. Photography. You, what what were you talking about? Knee pads. Knee pads for my fat knees. <laughs> We're getting down on the ground to take good pictures. If you take highly considering photos, it, you need knee pads. Seriously, these knees can't take it. And, um, <laughs> and also, I think it does help me get up easier instead of looking like super ungraceful, like just really struggling to get up off my fat knees. If you so. buy the knee pads, they serve a double purpose because you can use them while you're gardening. Well, that's true. I thought you were going to say while well, I'm skateboarding, which would not apply. You could, <laughs> you could also take up skateboarding if Absolutely. you want. True. You're right, the gardening thing, but I don't do much. See, I've avoided the knee gardening because I built myself a raised bed and everything else is in a container on the deck. There isn't a lot of knee going on, so I've avoided that. But with photography, unless you bend over and just put the camera on the ground and click, 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 and then hope for the best. So, All right. So that's before the after the show discussion. Oh, the other thing I, um, I forgot to mention to you was uh, Tony and Chelsea photography YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. that you watch would you recommend that channel to people yes if you like photography i mean what i find is and anyone who does any kind of like their education of anything and i i do mean education don't mock don't scoff at the idea of being educated by youtube or the internet because i have learned fundamentals of photography youtubing if that's a verb Googling things and asking people that I know have nicer cameras and take a lot of pictures and things like that. It's like a combination of things. But in every world, like you're a PC guy, you're a gamer guy, we ride bikes a little bit. Um, Whenever you go to seek out that thing, you find a whole world of it. Oh, yeah. Inside of that world, a lot of people hate Chelsea and Tony Northrup. (laughs) <laughs> and then a lot of people hate the other guy and this guy and this channel that's like, oh, they're just losers because they never talk about this, that, and the other. And these guys hate Nikon and those guys hate Canon and these guys aren't loyalists to any brand. You know, you just get all that shit. So for me, Tony and Chelsea Northrup have been my elite education and fun. They are super fun. They delivered in a way that Soaks into my brain. And he does tutorials. He did a tutorial of my camera, which is what, like five years old? Or more? Like, it's an hour and a half long. And so I could watch him do every single feature, every single button. And it just, I am I learn better that way. I've got the camera in my hand. I'm doing it. I don't have to take a test. And they, they just, they soak in. And I've got a lot of others too. But yeah, I would recommend them if you want to give them a try if you're learning photography. Well, the big news with those two is what I was about to tell you, is mm-hmm. they're changing everything next month from next month. They say they're sick of doing the same thing. They find that the definition of madness is keep doing the same thing. So everything's going to change. They're Ooh. not going to do the same shows. They're not going to do the same videos. I trust them. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. I, I trust 
their vision of what they want. As long as they keep educating, which I think is their main yeah. objective, then I'm fine with the format. All right. So that is what, is, what are they call. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Tony and Chelsea Northrup on... on uh, N-O-R-T-H-R-U-P. On YouTube. So it is Saturday, May the 19th. This is After the Show. We're a movie podcast. We review a movie every week. This is episode number 531. The movie we're looking at this week is the 1517 to Paris. And it's a 2017 movie. Releases on Blu-ray on May the 22nd. So that's this week. Upcoming. You can pick it up on Tuesday. It's rated PG-13. And it's from our friends at Warner Brothers who sent us a copy for review. And Sid Talk will give you the short synopsis of the 1517 to Paris. It is a, we're going to call it a reenactment slash movie about a real event where on a train from Amsterdam to Paris, just in 2015, a terrorist guy pulled out a gun, was going to presumably kill people, and these young men, not just these three young men, but this movie focuses on them, um, basically attacked him and, and stopped him. And there were other people involved as well, but this focuses on them because I think some of the other real people didn't want to be involved in the movie. So, And that's it. It's just about a real true event, and Clint Eastwood wants to share it with you. The director. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's not in it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do his dirty Harry thing. So, um, yeah, this is a... Did you know about this movie? Nope. I did. I saw the trailer for it um, some months ago. I had no idea it was a Clint Eastwood movie. It didn't strike me as a Clint Eastwood movie or anything like that. But I did see the trailer, which didn't really sell the movie that well. So, what did you think of the movie? Well, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I know that people bitch about it, but I don't give a shit what anybody says. I think that the we'll discuss it later, but the choice to put the real three people and other people who are real, the real people in the incident in as their own selves, it's like a, it's like a different way to absorb being shown a movie. Well, that's why I call it kind of a reenactment because it's the real people doing the roles, but it's done. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. I loved um, because I didn't know the story anyway. And, um, I like the way it was told. I like documentary movies. I like being told a real true story and often it's disconnected from the real true story. Right. This just kept me reminding me that if something really hokey in Hollywood was going to be done, these people are all the real people, you would think they would say no <laughs> at some point. And so I felt more confident. Not that it's all 100%, I'm sure, but... Well, I, I just went to History versus Hollywood, which is a good website if you're interested in checking the facts versus a movie. And uh, I read the whole thing, and there is only one thing that is different in this whole movie mm. in real life. There is actually one more person involved who didn't want to be... right. Uh, identified even to the press during the real event he just wanted to stay out of the way so for fear i mean it was it was an actual person who was involved in terrorist activity right. you never know and this person was afraid that he would get attacked somehow somewhere yeah. so he didn't come forward and that's the only difference the rest of it is the real guys and the real event pretty much taking yeah reenactment like you say Apparently there are other movies that have done this, but I've never seen them in the mm. past. Movies where they use the real people. Right. Um, one was a, a French movie that I was just reading about where they actually used, the, uh, there was some kind of football hooliganism thing and they used the real people. So, 
this movie, um, because it, there's three guys involved, that they're the heroes of the thing. And because it uses them and not actors, I've seen lots of reviews of this movie where people are jarred by that and it ruins the movie for them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm in the opposite camp of that. I, I said to you, in the middle of the movie, a lot of this movie is actually the events leading up. Well, the events of their life, it kind of goes through their childhood a little bit and then goes into the... Leading up to them getting on that train. They're on I think a- part of the philosophy of the, their own take on it, and that it sounds like from their book that they wrote about it. And remember, this has all happened since 2015. They wrote a book, a movie's been made, the whole bit. But that somewhere either in their beliefs that are religious beliefs or just in life, that everything leads you somewhere. And that telling us the story of their childhood, how they met, how they were trained, how they were sort of like, you know, kind of troubled, not troubled kids, but they had behavioral problems and a little bit of this and that. But all of those things combined and it all pinpointed on that day because everything that you see about them comes into play. Their friendship, their trust in each other, understanding each other, the skills that they've learned over the course of their 20-some years of life all just came to that point. And I felt like that was sort of the lesson you're learning, that your your life is always leading you somewhere. Yeah, and it's... You know, all that stuff, it's, I found it quite kind of heavy-handed the way it was kind of told to you. Um, that was a negative for me. You know, where they kept kind of saying, like, don't you feel your life is leading to something? You know, it seemed like something somebody wouldn't really say to another person. Oh, I disagree When completely. something like this is upcoming. And, you know, I disagree. I you think, think people, that people speak like that? Yes, I do, 100%. Well, I've never met anybody <laughs> who speaks like that. I believe it. So there was some stuff to me where it was like, oh, that sounds very filmy. Like we're just, we're trying to state a point over and over so you get it towards the end, you know? No, I feel like that guy thought that about his life. So when I say I was on the other side of things, and I said to you in the middle of the movie, there's just a scene of them, they're just on this European vacation, basically, which is going to end up in Paris. They'll get on this train and then they'll go to Paris. And they're in another, they're in Venice, I believe. And what can I hear? I don't know. Somebody's music outside. Oh, right. Okay. I thought somebody, <laughs> somebody was talking in the house. All right. So. Oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> so it's, yeah. We're either being robbed. <laughs> send, <laughs> or the neighbors are being really noisy. Send help. <laughs> um, so they're in Venice and they meet this girl. And, you know, in a regular, like, movie, when you're seeing people acting, it's always very, like, like I don't know, very specific, because it's all written. So that in this, it's not. It's just... Well, it will have been written, yes, because they will have had specific things they need to say and say, well, this is what you're talking about, so this is what we need to get done. We can't just let them ramble on. No, well, I don't know. I, f- I, feel, like y- I feel like he was letting them ramble on a lot, and they were just choosing from that footage, because a lot of it felt supernatural, like... Supernatural, not that supernatural. Supernatural. It was like um, they were just, you know, when you meet somebody, like they meet this girl. She's just another tourist, and they start talking to her. Well, it felt awkward, and I was like, "Wow, that feels a little bit awkward." Like you know, it's weird, isn't it, when you approach a stranger and try yep. and connect with them somehow, and you know, they connect with her by, "Oh, look, we're kind of from the same place," but. 
it just feels awkward. And then I was like, wow, that feels real. Like, because in real life, when you speak to somebody you don't know, it, it's awkward. Nobody knows what to say. And eventually you'll get to some, you know, ground, common ground and you will kind of strike up some conversation. Yeah, it isn't that sort of like affected actorly way of being awkward. It's just awkward. Right. Because when you do meet somebody, you know, like even today in the store, I'm walking down the aisle and a lady who works there, hi, how are you today? And I was like, uh, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Are you finding everything okay? Um, Yeah. You know, there's this, like, weird... Yeah. But if we'd gone on for a couple of minutes, we both would have, like, crossed that bridge and had a little thing. But it, that's how it felt. I yeah. felt like it was... And because they're the real people. I don't know about that young lady, if she was, you know... Yeah, I don't know. But And it wasn't just her. There was like, just moments of them talking to each other. I was like, this is a really, like, nothing conversation. It's just a conversation some friends would have with each other that means something to them. But to an outside person, if you're just sat in a crowd and you're like, what are those people talking about? It's just dull. Like, it, this movie actually does a lot of that. And I, you know, Hollywood movies, they don't have dull conversations because everything is very structured and written. And this serves the plot and that does this. These conversations and moments they all have. You know, when they go to that first hotel and that lady shows them up the stairs and stuff, it's... It feels like you're just following some people on a vacation. Yeah. And and the stuff they're saying is not like to to telegraph something to you or anything like that. It's just like, oh, we're here. We're talking to a lady in a hotel. We've never met her before. So I think that added to it a lot. So by the time you get to the train and the stakes get very high, I feel for all three of those people. I feel like, oh, I know exactly where they're coming from. I know how friendly they are with each other, so they're almost like brothers. So when some of the shit hits a fan, they're definitely going to help each other. There's not a weak one. <laughs> they're all, you know, skilled at work. Yeah. So it worked better for me than some using some actors. And Clint Eastwood did say, I was just reading an interview with him, that they actually hired three actors, famous actors, to, and he even mentioned the names of the three guys, which I'd, I'd seen their faces before. And they'd actually started filming it with these three guys and then come to the realization a little later on that it would probably be better to have, you know, the real guys, not the actors. Now, a lot of people, all the reviews I read were like, oh, it was the wrong decision. You need to have actors. These guys can't act to save their lives. So it's it makes the movie feel amateur. I don't agree with that. I disagree with that as well. I mean... It doesn't come across as regular what you're used to acting. You know, like people you've seen and people who are very good at acting. It doesn't come across as that, but it comes across more like, uh, almost like you're just on the shoulder of some regular people, which you are, I guess. Now, I don't know if they feel affected while they're making it because they're like, oh shit, Clint Eastwood's filming us and we have to kind of act natural or... I don't know. There was. Did you feel like some of it was like, Awkward, like in a bad way. Not in a bad way. No, I I enjoyed the flow of it. Um, I never had a moment when I felt like, oh god, you know, everybody needs to step it up a little bit because I I was being I've, I've been going back to this a lot over the last few months. But you're telling me a story, and everything that's happening is working for that story. 
and it's a real thing that happened with these real people. And if the moments are a bit odd, um, that's how it would be. And so I'm fine with that. If you were telling me a fictional story about something fantastical happening and you let people just be like, if you and I were to be in a movie, it would be awkward. I don't know that that would serve the story. If it did, then that's fair. But I don't think, you know, if you have Fast and the Furious with a bunch of people who don't know anything like how to, that's mostly about like the posing and the look and the, all those things that make it glossy and shiny and Hollywoody. If you remove all that, that's all that movie is. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no substance, no offense, I know you love them, but that story wouldn't be served by somebody going, uh, yeah, hey, everybody, yeah, sure, and feeling like, you know. No, they're a real phony Hollywood. Yeah, it's like a magazine photo shoot, but turn into a movie, which is totally fine, that everything works to tell that particular kind of story. This, I never had an issue with at all. You know what I think is really cool about this? Like, Clint Eastwood is 90 years old. It's 87. Well, yeah. Pretty close to 90 years old. He's not accurate. He's 87. And and, um, he uh, is experimenting at his age with filmmaking. Yeah. He's made 36 movies. He's never done this before. And he's literally experimenting on a big budget movie that Warner Brothers are making. And he's... That's awesome. Like, he's not stuck in his ways, obviously, because this is a very experimental thing, isn't it? You know, it's not... He, he, you then know, again, like, what does Clint Eastwood have to lose? Nothing. So <laughs> it's probably. not like, but then what did the Blair Witch guys have? They they were, they had nothing and they took a huge risk and that worked for yeah. them. Kevin Smith took a big risk and that worked for him. But, you know, watching Clint Eastwood's movies over the years, he's pretty straightforward filmmaker generally. There is no experimental or... He usually does have a big famous people. And- yeah. And it's and he, they're very on point. His movies, they're not like he doesn't arts anything up, does he? He's not artsy. He's not like oh let's let's all improvise here because as we know with Clint Eastwood, we've watched a lot of extras about him. He's not into that. He he wants you to deliver the lines quickly and properly. Maybe and then he moves on. Like maybe that's why he did this because it would be so much cheaper. And it's because <laughs> if you hire. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah, he was well, just being shy one. The funny thing is, he's the opposite of how this movie would be made. Because he is, he's not the type of person who would let, like you say, he's very economical. Yeah. He wants to just take the shot and leave, doesn't he? So if these guys are taking a while to get it right, that would be completely off his chart. So. Yeah, but they also can have an ego because he's, the way they seem to feel about it was, oh my God, Clint Eastwood wants to make our movie and he wants us in it and they would be willing to do anything he said. Oh, they were. If you bring someone with a big ego with a little bit more like, well, you know, I, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel like my character, you know, that kind of stuff that's built in after you've been in that industry for a while. These guys were just like, yes, sir, anything you say, yeah. sir. In fact, that what I loved how the one guy kept saying Mr. Eastwood. He never said Clint. And the other two were like, Clint Eastwood. But he was like, Mr. Eastwood said. <laughs> so it was yeah. like, they see him as like this highly, which he is. Like, he's, you know, he's been in show business and been in movies forever. Like, so he is, um, I, I really admired that, that he would do something very different. It's very different to what he does. I mean, yes, he loves like a true story. He loves a hero, it's obvious. And that's what his last few movies have been. American Sniper, This, and Sully. That's almost a trilogy of the of the American hero, right? All three of those. Yeah. I mean, he made this trilogy recently. 
and that's his hero thing. I'm sure he's doing another one, actually, about an, another heroic thing. So it's just a thing he likes, I guess, in his later life. So, um... I think he sounded annoyed that superhero movies are popular. He did sound annoyed Yeah, that, he was yeah. like, these superheroes, the you know... Like, why are we tell these stories those? when they're not the real heroes? You know, which I agree slightly, but we get that feeling of hero, someone saving the day because re- real people have done it. It's not like a fictional thing, right. and you kind of aspire, and it can inspire you to be like, I can, I can do that. I mean, I can't fly or have a big giant hammer fly into my hand, but to take a stand against something that's wrong or or move on something that's happening that you can help. Yeah. All of that can inspire you. But as you read reviews of this movie, a lot of dickheads are like, most boring movie ever. Nothing even happens. Those are the people who don't understand. Like, you're telling me a story about real people who did a real thing. But if I showed you a guy in a cape flying around beating the shit out of some alien, you'd you'd be like, like, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, probably not. Some of those people are impossible to please, but you know. Yeah, this this movie did have a lot of that. But then you have to think about this movie. These three guys who you see doing this action scene towards the end of the movie did that in real life. Like, it is not a gimmick. <laughs> They're the guys who saved a train full of people's lives. Literally. I mean, not just them, like we're saying. There are other people involved right. in the whole commotion and stopping the guy and, and saving the guy. But due to circumstances, I guess, making this movie, um, they just weren't featured. But, you know. Now, the movie itself, it does go into the childhood. It goes into their time in the military, two of them. And then it moves on to their vacation in Europe. And then the end goes to the train. Now, if you're coming into it for this big action movie, the action part of it is like what? Like five minutes of the whole movie, possibly. Uh, I feel like about twenty when you really get when you clump it all together with the whole train. Yeah, the, when they get on the train and then, and it's a PG thirteen this movie, but I feel like it was quite intense. The actual scene. Oh, it was. I was like, I said my toes were curling. I was like, oh god. Yeah. So the you know, we, it's not really spoilers for a true event, is it really? Unless you. Know nothing about the truth. I knew nothing about it. I mean, I knew of it in the news, but not really the. But there will be a little spoiler here that a terrorist. Well, we said it earlier. There's a terrorist on this train. He's got an AK-47, and these three dudes basically wrestle him to the to the floor and choke him out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And you know, it's one of those moments where he runs towards the guy with the gun, and luckily the guy's gun doesn't work. The AK-47 jams, and the guy manages to football tackle him to the floor. But then this guy, then the terrorist guy, pulls out a box cutter and starts cutting at this guy. Ugh. I mean, it's it's grisly to think of that really happened. And cut his thumb down to the bone, and um, and then they, you know, they really go to town on this terrorist and punch him until he's, and punch him and choke him, and save you know, this guy had a lot of ammunition. He had this AK-47. If he would have done what he was going to do, he would have took everybody on that train down. Nobody would have got away from that. He would have, Exactly. He had a bullet for every person on that train. He would have just sprayed the whole thing out. So it's a heroic thing for me, you know. I mean, it's it's really intense to watch. And then you feel something afterwards, you know. It shows you them getting the medal from the French Prime Minister, um... 
So I think it's very respectful of the event, especially with having the real people. And luckily, in this event, nobody died, right? The friend, the, the guy got hurt. A guy in the train got shot because the terrorist actually had a pistol as well. The pistol shot him. What, what did he do? Break two of his ribs. Shot out through the artery in his neck. And shot out through his neck. So he's bleeding on the floor for 30 minutes. And because of one of these hero guys... Uh, military training he managed to like plug up the the wound basically for these 30 minutes and save his life so you know it's um it's an intense scenario and you uh, i knew what was going to happen you didn't right Mm -mm. so so for you like you're thinking i did say when you're watching the movie it's obvious none of these guys die right i was like at least that part i know right yeah um, did you think other people were going to die? Or did you think it was just a nobody I, would die? You know what? I was so into it, I wasn't even thinking ahead. Right. And if you've listened to any of these shows, you'll know that that's something that usually automatically happens in my brain, is that I just skip there. Oh, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. None of that happened, because I was just in it. I was totally along for this story, completely. So yeah, I think it was very well told, and it didn't seem gratuitous, or like it was trying to... You know, like some people said in reviews that I was reading, oh, Clint Eastwood was just trying to cash in on real life things and make money out of it. I'm sure that was going, I'm sure that was his whole thought for making this movie. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the cast here who is, you know, there are some Hollywood actors and there are also these real guys. So the real guys are Anthony Sadler, who plays Anthony, Spencer Stone, who plays himself, and Alec. Scalatos, who plays Alec. So the th- they're the three dudes. How old would you say they are? Mm, 25. Yeah, around that age. Two of them are military. The other guy isn't, right? Now, I'd, like we discussed it earlier, but how do you think they did? Um, just I think they it? did great. And I, I will stand by that because... First of all, they're having to le- they're going to relive in that one particular scene... Something that was very traumatic and, like, probably just a crazy moment in their lives. And they're also immediately thrown into a world where you've got Clint Eastwood and his team and his studio right there. It's not like you started with an indie guy at a college who wants to make a little movie. You know what I mean? They're just thrown in it. And I think that whatever direction was given and whatever process they let them go through, because even Clint Eastwood says, you know, acting isn't the thing it's the process of it and to whatever they did i think they did a good job to bring out as much naturalness and effectiveness like they didn't just ramble they had things they had to say and i think they did a good job of course things take practice nobody's yeah. perfect first time i mean they're not ever. actors <laughs> not actors at yeah all. <laughs> um apparently one of the one of them um Went on to be on Dancing with the Stars <laughs> and became and came third. So a good dancer as well. One of them, I think it was Mark. No, Alec. Mm. So there were also two other people who were on the train. Well, there was several people, but on the train. But Mark Mooligan, Mooglin, and Isabella Mooglin. They're they're a couple on the train, and he's the one who got shot through the ribs. Mm. And he, I thought he was particularly good because imagine he's lived through that horrific thing. Yeah. He was the guy who got really hurt. And he had to reenact it with his wife stood there, who was also in the train. I thought he was really impressive. Like, he, he, you know, when he first said, 
there's a guy in the toilet on the train. He said uh, he said to his wife, that guy's been in the toilet for a long time. It seems weird. I'm going to go and have a look. <laughs> and then he went and had a look, and that's where it all started. But he really... I mean, that kind of saved the day. Be- I mean, in addition to everything else that happened after that, because if he hadn't got up and that other guy wasn't standing there, the guy with the gun would have just come out to the first guy who was standing there waiting, but he wasn't totally prepared. He did grab him, but then the guy who got shot eventually really grabbed him, got the gun, and then the combination of all of those men, you know, every single thing they did from the... Because mo- if he had just come out, if the guy who got shot eventually hadn't got up and had that weird feeling, yeah, he wouldn't be standing in front of the door. The guy would have just come out and done whatever to unsuspecting group of people. So, you know, it, there's a fine line between being paranoid... And, and like, overly on alert, right? If it's not your job, if it's your job, then be as alert and paranoid as you need to be. If you're a guard or a police officer or a soldier or something like that. But if you're just me and I'm at the store, and I, I even find myself doing it sometimes, and it sounds really hokey, but you kind of mark out how where would you go if some weird thing happened? How would you get out? Or how do you, you know... I yeah. kind of run through my mind. I'm pretty lax about it, but to be that prepared and to kind of go for it, he must have just had that really, uh, you know, like, I just, this is weird. Because you know what? You might have just thought that guy died in there or committed suicide in there or something else that's weird because he's been I, in the toilet for I, so long. I got the feeling um, because of the way he looked and because of how we stereotype and um You think that's what things, it was? He already had it in his mind that that guy was a guy. A terrorist guy. Mm. Because he has a... How... You know, anybody can be a terrorist. Absolutely. But we do have a, a thing in our brainwashed minds of how a terrorist looks, don't we? And this, and this particular time, he that. was right, unfortunately. And like, this guy fit You the can't profile. deny correctness, right? You know, but... Yeah. <laughs> and talking of the terrorist guy, he was played by Ray Corsaini. And he played Ayub. And... Uh, Terrorist guy is not in it for long, but he did a good job, I think, of his super menacing, like his menacing his demeanor, you know. But like I said, Clint Eastwood took the time to be in the bathroom when the guy was like kind of rinsing his face and looking at himself slowly Taking his shirt off. in the bathroom, like staring at himself in the mirror for just a moment. But it also, you know, everything everyone is a human. Even if you're a shithead who wants to kill a bunch of people, which is in a, like the lowest of the low, and yet there's a motivation in that person's brain. His whole life has led him to this moment also. And even for that one minute when we see him like slowly washing his hands and his face, and then we see him really like staring himself down as if to be like, I've, I'm going to do this because it could have been hesitation. You don't know what goes through people's minds, but I thought it was a good addition because it reminded me everything. These young men have lived up to this moment. So has he, but it's like two trains headed yeah. for each other, literally on the train. Um, and so I liked that moment and I thought, yeah, I mean, he didn't have to do much, but I felt like he was nervous and intent and you know, yeah. Um, also the- that actor, I'm just saying, if you are the person with semi-dark skin and dark hair and you do look like we've all been taught, unfortunately, you know, to think about the particular ethnicity that seems to be what we see in the news, 
as terrorist people who commit terrorist things, not all. Timothy Fay was just a white, skinny American guy, but you know, that actor, any actor who takes on that role, I would imagine there's some kind of pushback, either from people in your family and your friends to say, "Why, why are you doing this? Yeah, this is just perpetuating the thing. Why are you doing this?" Or people who see you on the street and be like, you know, terrorists. And so I think that even as, even though he was in there very briefly, I felt like he was uh, notable. Yeah, and then I did mention there were some Hollywood actors in here, actresses anyway. Judy Greer and Jenna Fisher played mm-hmm. the two mothers, Joyce and Heidi. Um, like I said to you earlier, why didn't they use the real mothers? But then you explained, and then I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just the idea of all those years to span. It moves time a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what do you think of them both? Oh, they were fine. I mean, I felt like they were portrayed as moms who had these boys who weren't behaving properly and... You know they were they were pretty strong, and I assume that's I did like the, how they were when the principal called them in, and they instantly I was like, oh yeah, that's how mothers work. They whatever the boys did wrong, you're the baddie as a principal because like to them, um, they can't be that bad. They're they're my boys, like so I'm going to stick up for them no matter what. You know? Yeah, I saw that from them. Absolutely. Um, so this is directed by Mr. Clint Eastwood. Um, he's directed uh, many a film and also starred in many a film. Actually directed 36 films. <laughs> um, some I mentioned here was American Sniper, Million Dollar Baby, and Sully, and these are his more recent ones. But you know him from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and what, Dirty Harry, and all kinds of movies. So we've talked about Clint many times because we've reviewed quite a few of his films. What's your opinion on Clint? He's fine. <laughs> he is not. He's, in He's not I don't, an I do not agree with him on a personal note. He's got a political and religious things that I just can't get on board with. However, when he tells a story, I do feel like he balances things out enough. So it is not... You felt like it was heavy-handed at times. I did. I don't feel that in his stories. Like um, El Camino, I think that was the name of it, right? Even Million Dollar Baby. You know, all the things that opportunities to really lay on a political or sort of moral thing. It's there. But as he says in every, almost every interview, he's like, you got to leave that up. Gran Torino. That was it. (laughs) El Camino. (laughs) That's a great movie. Gran Torino. It is. This was El Camino. (laughs) (laughs) That's another movie. No, I felt like he didn't push, you know, push it. So I like, I like him. I do too. And I know he's, I know he uh, does have some, different um, thoughts to me. But when I look at his films and how he is making films, I uh, admire him in a way. I mean, geez, like I said to you, look at his age and look how many films he makes. He, he often, at the moment, is making three films a year. Can't be easy for anybody, right? He's an old guy. Yeah. So uh, extras, there are two extras on the Blu-ray. Um, I would like a commentary on this film, but... Unfortunately, even if it's not from Clint, just from the three guys just along the movie, it would be cool. I don't know. It's all pretty much right there. There's what, two what else extras. do you need? Um, well, I don't know. There's nothing I else like to, to tell the you. Real, I mean, there's probably... i just like to know from the guys' mouths what exactly... Even just the small moments, if they're real or if that was um, Hollywooded up or whatever, you know. 
Uh, like, for instance, I couldn't find any information on this, but you know the scene where he's where he's being trained to be in the military, and he, there's an alert goes off, and they all hide under the desks, and he goes to the door. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anywhere whether that was true or not. Mm. Feels very movie-ish that part, but then the rest of the movie seems to you know follow the real events. So I'd like to know that from them. But yeah, there are two extras. And it is the guys who tell you about the first extra is really good because it shows you the pretty much the whole scene of the train and they talk over the top of it and it goes to face interviews with them. And they're telling you what they thought during that happening. I really like that because you can't tell what they're thinking watching the movie, right? You you, pro- you could if you read the book because yeah. the book's going to be well, more Well, there you go. Just get the book. Yeah. Well, now I <laughs> feel like extra. I don't need to get the book. <laughs> yeah, I, but then why would you need extras? Well, that's, I, lo- I love director commentaries. Um, they're my favorite. Get extras. the audio book. <laughs> and then you can play that while you watch the movie. So, yeah, there are two, these two extras. That one and then the second one, uh, which actually just talks about them as heroes. Talks about... Um, it's just... It's kind of the same thing. You, there are enough for you, though, those two extras, right? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, last about I'm running minutes. out of my steam for... Extras in movies, it depends on the movie. It's not like a blanket thing I have to have. Real stories, I do like a bit of background. Yeah. But, you know, nowadays you can go on the web and find more background in ten minutes than you can with extras generally. Like, I just went and read the History versus Hollywood page, and there was a lot of information there. So, yeah, two extras um, and the movie, basically. So, uh, conclusion. Are you recommending this to our listeners? Um, I, I'm not into that recommendation thing. I think if you want to watch this story about this event, then yes. <laughs> now I'll recommend it to you. Um, and I, like you I just said, like to recommend things to force people to try it. I read a hundred, like, I read nearly a hundred reviews on IMDb skimming through them. And, uh, I would say like 80% of that was people going, what a waste of my time. Now, yeah. I don't go in with that attitude. It is slightly different to what you expect from a Hollywood movie because it's not exactly like you would think. It's not full of like action music all the time to make you feel something. It is almost like you're on this documentary with these people and then something very crazy happens at the end. It's not exactly like the movies you're used to. It might have to challenge you a little bit. But I think if you like real-life stories... And especially heroic stories. This is a very heroic story. And uh, I recommend it in that respect. But like I said earlier, I do think it has some flaws. And it's just a bit of heavy-handedness for me in some of the storytelling. But it's a shortish film as well. It, it doesn't drag on or... like there's not. It's just about right, the right amount of content. So, yeah, I recommend it. Thanks to Warner Brothers for sending us the Blu-ray for review. Next week, we will be reviewing uh, Jennifer Lawrence's new film, Red Sparrow. We'll be looking at that next week. So movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of this movie, The 1517 to Paris, with two other true-life stories that I enjoyed recently. And one was Megan Levy. Yeah. Which is about uh, the lady. We've reviewed it. Go back and look at our After the Show podcast. You know, she's a military dog handler. I thought it was a really interesting story and really well done. And my other one is another Clint Eastwood movie called Sully with Tom Hanks, 
which is kind of like this movie, what we just watched, as, as a true event, but this time he uses Tom Hanks as the guy, not the real guy. So, um, yeah, they're my recommendations. Megan Levy and Sur- Sully. And mine are, you ask? No. But- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't care. I'm going to go broad here and say, you know, Try some documentaries. I can't tell you which ones. Obviously, that guy on PBS does some good ones, but they're all kinds. I've watched... You mean Ken Burns? Yes. I've watched things like mm, Whore's Glory, and yes, Whore, like H-W-H-O-R-E-S, which is about prostitutes in Thailand, Mexico, and it's kind of one of those where, you know, it's pretty intimate and up close and personal and... Just real people doing their thing, and then there are all kinds, obviously. Even even the Oscars give away documentary Academy Awards, and I think a lot of people overlook them if you really want. And they're not necessarily about telling you a story, like a reenactment like this. But if you just want a slice of life, particularly of something you will never encounter or never see, or, you know... On the other side of the world of people, it actually connects you a little bit to people and makes you think... Which is a good thing. So I say documentaries in general. Just right. find you one. Don't go for those like kind of shammy ones that you see on the History Channel and stuff like that. Because a lot of those are just hyped up. Talking head, a little bit of footage, a few still photos, a talking head, a few still photos. And then speculating about shit. That's not a documentary. Documentary is when a person, a f- film person or a, a small camera crew or... Whoever decides to follow someone around, relate to them, get a relationship going with them to find out more about their life for real and get the candid, open, as much as you can, I suppose, honest slice of their life. Those those are what I'm talking about. And the other one, I'm going the other end of the spectrum in a whole other direction because you said that George Clooney was at the royal wedding, which I don't give a shit about, but it reminded me of how good Fantastic Mr. Fox is. <laughs> That is a stop motion. Um, actually, um, let me just his, tell you. What's the director's name? I always forget. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. And it is really co- sweet and good. Um, what were you going to say? Coincidentally, George Clooney was dressed as Fantastic Mr. Fox <laughs> at the Royal Wedding. Do you have a sock on his head? Yep. Oh my God. You got to see this movie. It's so cute. It's just really <laughs> good, isn't it? I have to watch it again. Yeah. It's really enchanting. And stop motion is, has always been a thing for me. I just love it. You know, Coraline. I do too. Corpse Bride and... Uh, Frank and Weenie. Frank and Weenie. It was all right. It was fine. It wasn't you know, not my favorite. But um, yeah, so Fantastic Mr. Fox and the entire world of documentary filmmaking. Wes Anderson's new movie, The Isle of Dogs, mm-hmm. which we saw the trailer. That looks awesome. It does. <laughs> like anything that's stop motion, there isn't much of it. I mean, you can say he's a little bit up his own ass. He's got a style that's very... I love that. He does kind of preachy about his own view of human interactions and relationships. and But I get it. And so I am just get lost in the world that he creates. I can't wait to actually see that movie. It should be on Blu-ray in a few months. So um, games and Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing a new... Well, not a new game. It's actually a game from two years ago, maybe. Uh, Dead Rising 4. I can't believe I've never actually played it. I had it on my Steam list, but I never actually got around to playing it. But um, Dead Rising 4 is the fourth installment of the zomb- Capcom's zombie killing um, kind of... It's 
It's not like Resident Evil, where Resident Evil takes itself really seriously. Dead Rising 4 is very silly. It takes place in a mall, uh, but this time it's not just the mall. It's the whole town of Willamette. So uh, you can go all over. There's a fun fair. There's all kinds of different... And what the game does really well is massive crowds of zombies. I'm talking like a thousand zombies on the screen at once and you stuck in the middle of them and you've got to try and get out. It's really terrifying. Like It makes you feel really claustrophobic. But the actual weapons in this game are crazy. You know, like you can actually take two things and tape them together. So you can take like, maybe you'll find a sledgehammer and maybe you'll find a car battery. And he's figured out a way of putting the car battery on the end of the sledgehammer and making it so when you hit a zombie with it, the zombie also gets electrocuted as well as smushed. So there are all crazy things, like you find a lawnmower, which I think is a homage to Dead Alive slash Brain Dead. And you can use the lawnmower to kill the zombies or use a weed whacker or a weed whacker with a lawnmower attached to it. There are vehicles you can customize. Like, I found a tractor and put, like, one of those... Um, I think it's used for, like, harvesting corn. It's like a big sharp thing that goes on the front of the tractor. But use that to drive through all the zombies. It's very silly, but it's also very fun, like, and lots of zombies. Um, Dead Rising 4. You know what? Because Dead Rising 4 has been out so long, you can actually pick it up for $4. So, if you want to play a really cool triple a zombie game for four dollars this is your one the other thing i've been playing a little bit of this week and i had no idea this game was coming it's called onrush on rush and it's codemaster's new racing game and if you go on your playstation 4 right now and type in onrush beta there's a free um, beta version of it that you can play like three or four tracks now, what's really cool about Onrush is it's from Codemasters. They're like the kings of racing games, Dirt and Dirt Rally and um, Grid. But they teamed up with Evolution Studios, who are the people who made Motorstorm, which is also an awesome um, racing series. So it's like a cross between Dirt and Motorstorm. There's motorbikes and trucks and four-wheel drive cars. And it's really really um silky smooth like 60 frames a second on the ps4 and really looks awesome and it's like it's not serious there's huge jumps like where you're jumping like off the side of a mountain basically and landing at the bottom it's just that really fun kind of racing game it's called onrush it's coming uh, out uh, mid-june but you can get this beta version now and play it for free uh, and it's on the ps4 and the last thing is not a game but Humans, a TV show that we really like, has started up again for season three on Channel 4 in the UK. And we watched the first episode last night. And how did you like Humans? It's always good. <laughs> it's always good. Yeah, it's a cool, really cool show. It's actually aired in the States as well on AMC, I believe. Um, but it doesn't come for a while. Like It airs in the UK first and then comes to America second. But... um. It's a really cool show. It's about, like, we've created... It's kind of like, well, it's like Westworld, but not... Westworld, but out in the world. But out in the world. Androids yeah. who... Well, androids, whatever. They're just, like, humanoid AI, but they're just like humans. You buy them to, like, clean your house. They're like whatever. Data, but without the green skin. They're like yeah. his evil brother. Which yeah. I forget his name. But 
Um, and it's it's just the story of human dilemma. How shitty we are, how wonderful we are, how creative we are, and then how shitty we are again. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's just that. It's just that. Like, um, it's But that, it's done in a way that, you know, I really enjoy. I mean, it's that old sci-fi thing that we've seen a billion times. Like, we create a human in our life. We create an android in our likeness to help us and be our friend and all that. And then it becomes more intelligent than we do, than we are. And then it just fucks us over. <laughs> but it's because of us, right? Yeah. Um, but there, it's really good. It's a British show, so it's got a, you know, it's not like an American TV show. It's got a different sensibility to it. It's very but, um, European. Yeah, it's very European. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy it. And uh, this, where it's going in this new season, as soon as it started, and it, I was like, oh, we're going there, are we? I really like its new direction, kind of. Like what's happening next in the like it moved on a bit basically like the time the times jumped a little bit so yeah that's humans it's on channel four you can watch it so what's for dinner said talk tonight we're going to have I want to make scrambled eggs and then baked beans and toast I got some cool sunflower toast sunflower seed toast yum you'll probably just have the wheat toast because you're kind of boring when no I'll does. try the sunflower all seed right toast. excellent um. You'll probably want your egg fried and all that stuff that stresses me out, so you may get scrambled, but it's up to you. you might want whatever you make. <laughs> so scrambled egg, your baked beans, which you love, and we get Bush's vegetarian baked beans. Yes. Um, because you like Heinz baked beans, which are not readily available to us here in our little area. We can order them online, but why spend $3 on a can of beans when I can spend a dollar? They're really close. What are? The, the Bush's? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they're really close. That's to good them. to know. And I can also just make beans and add this the I saucy feel, stuff. But I feel like they're slightly sweeter. Yeah, brown definitely. sugary, but that's the only difference. Definitely. So that's what's for supper. And my advice. Yes. I think I've said this before. Learn something new. I th- you've definitely said that more than once. Yes. Well, I need to learn something new about giving advice, but. And I don't just mean like, oh, I learn something every week at work. They always give me some new bullshit to do. Yeah, that's not what I mean. Because obviously you don't care enough about that to make it like enhance your brain or your perception of the world or give you, you know, my life philosophies. I won't go into it. But sometimes as life goes on, it's been 50 years of life. You need something to fill some time. And I've discovered that I do love laying on the couch doing nothing at times, but that is limited when I was a teenager, I could have laid on the couch for a month and been happy. Shove the Twinkies in my mouth and leave me with HBO and I would have been happy. Now, I can do it for about a day, maybe a day and a half if I sit here and play The Sims, but I'm itching now to do a new thing or something else or, you know, so obviously I've been preaching about like learning the photography stuff, but because I've, I'm diving in, it's like an ocean of information. And so every day, like... This young lady that I'm doing her wedding photos for, she said she sent me a, a wedding video that she loved, and I was thinking, oh crap, I wasn't gonna do video. <laughs> I don't know if I can learn that. But then she showed it to me, and I was like, I can do that. I can do that. So then, in one setting, I sat down with the video editing stuff we have. I threw a couple of s- clips of just shitty stuff I filmed with my camera, and I was like, oh wow, okay, I know how to reverse it, slow it down, do a transition in about a half an hour. And it, like, stimulates your brain in a way. 
And, you know, to other people, that's useless. They're like, what does that do for the world that you learned that? That's fine. So go out and learn how to grow food then or cure a disease or learn how to change tires on vehicles so if you see people in need, you can help them. Whatever the thing is, it's going to stimulate you. It's going to use some of the time of your life to kind of help, well, I don't know, lifts you up, I think. Don't you agree? Yeah. You're always learning. I've, I discovered you were in here watching some techie thing where a guy had a piece of computer equipment and the title of the video was even like super nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in there watching YouTube videos about how to technically get a, a, you know, my camera to focus doing film and, you know, the little technical things that often feel like they're going over my head, but I'm trying to figure out a way to learn it. And it's just, it's super satisfying. What so. I was watching yesterday, what was super nerdy was <laughs> how they test you know, PC fans that cool your processor, etc. How they actually test how much air they put out, like yeah. in like a little wind tunnel and stuff. That's it was, super nerdy. It was nerdy. really cool. That's super nerdy. But it enhanced <laughs> your brain and you learned something and it could do something for a project you're doing or you do help other people with their computers all the time. And so every little thing that you put into your brain, um, I don't know, other people will think it's useless. That's fine. But like I said, if you want to do something great in the world... Then learn how to do it. I mean, there's nothing that says you couldn't right now figure out how to be a doctor. You might be 40 years old. That doesn't mean anything. You could be a nurse. You could, you know, whatever. It's hard. <laughs> Learning is hard. Learning is like, oh, I would rather sometimes just be like, why did I jump into this? But then it's so satisfying. I have a new uh, found respect for doctors after watching Gogglebox yesterday. Oh, my goodness. I'm watching an open heart transplant going on. And it just looked like, what? how does anybody even know what to do in this situation? And have the confidence, <laughs> because he, he's the team of people have learned that skill. It's they've crazy. learned the body. They And then they're dealing with an emergency situation in that moment. What to do? What did he do? He did the same thing the guy did in that movie today. He stuck his finger in the hole in the yeah. heart and held and, on to it. Until and they holding got the a heart in one hand <laughs> and it's beating and... Sticking and his stitching, fingers in. And he was like using a needle down in there. I mean, all of that Crazy. is because he learned it, uh, you know, and it led to, um, I'm, I will never be a surgeon who can save somebody's life. But by watching that or watching the guy in this movie today, that went in your, that goes in your brain, doesn't it? Like yeah. if somebody's bleeding out and you're right there, just stick your finger in it. I yeah. hope, hope for the best. Maybe, maybe this movie learned us that and one day we'll stick our fingers in somebody's wound and uh, save somebody. Hey, yeah. you know what? You actually never know. Never know. So that's it. All right, so um, learn something new. I need to go rescue my plants from the heavy rain. Heavy rain. That's a good game. So uh, you can catch us on aschoolie.com, sidsaw.com. Catch this podcast on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch the podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. Go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe there. You can also use your Amazon device, say your trigger word. It rhymes with Bexa. Amexa, and then say, uh, listen to the After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. We're also on YouTube. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie at com. Do not email Sid Talk, because she needs to go and move her plants, because it is <laughs> a big storm outside. Yes. And uh, I say, stay classy, you three heroes from this movie. Yeah, and stay classy, Clint Eastwood, in the areas where you're classy. And... Think for yourself, everybody, or somebody will do it for you.